entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Good Friday morning, everybody, and welcome to Your Palace, Your Place. I'm Sherry Marcucci, your host, and I'll uh, hope to bring you an entertaining 50 minutes this morning. So much has gone on. It's been such a busy week. By the way, if you're listening for the first time, uh, this is brought to you by the Palace Theater in Waterbury, Connecticut, a magnificent presenting theater built in 1922. It is magnificent. Do yourself a favor. Check out our website at Palace Theater CT org to just look at the beauty and grandeur of our building or more importantly come to see a show or an activity you'll be glad that you did. And speaking of activities, this has been a week of activities at the Palace Theater. My goodness, May and June are always typically um, busy with lots of community events and uh, for everything from graduations, end of year uh, performance opportunities for some of the schools, particularly our neighboring school, the Waterbury Arts Magnet School. And this week, we were filled with students on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday because Seven Angels Theater uh, produces a magnificent event called the Halo Awards. And the Halo Awards uh, are um, the chance, an opportunity to acknowledge the, the young people, the high school students who are involved in theater in their high schools. Kids were there from all over the state of Connecticut, schools represented. I, I mean, I just couldn't believe, um, you know, all points east, west, north, south of Waterbury were there, uh, private schools, public schools. It is such a magnet. It's a two-day event. It's it's uh, the magnitude of it has grown since its inception. I believe this was its 15th anniversary. Uh, hats off to uh, Seven Angels artistic director, Samina De Laurentiis, founder and artistic director, Samina De Laurentiis, for conceiving this idea 15 years ago as a way to just give those kids the recognition much like the kids involved in sports uh, have their sports banquets. This is that type of an event. And it is so thrilling. I was asked last year and again uh, asked back this year to be a presenter. Uh, and, I, you know, it's just, it really, I don't know, it really brings tears to your eyes almost because... You know, these kids work as hard as those on the sports fields. And to see them all dressed up and, you know, they're very best and um, coming out, it's like, it's kind of like the Tony Awards, which we're going to be talking about today, by the way, because those are on CBS this Sunday. But um, this is a chance for those kids to have their moment. And boy, some of the talent I saw, for sure, for sure, you will hear from some of those young people somewhere along the line in the entertainment world because some of the talent was just exceptional and um, Melissa Stemmer who is the development director at Seven Angels produces the event uh, with of course uh, the help of Michelle Gotai and Jimmy Donahue and uh, a score of other people so we are so thrilled at the palace to host this event um, I think each night there are about 1100 one night and 1200 the next night students their teachers their parents um, coming down Town to uh, visit the palace and participate in the Halo Awards uh, presented by Seven Angels Theater. So that was a blast. And then last night, the Palace Theater 
we uh, produce a, a very um, a, a spectacular is 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 the word that comes to mind end of the year uh, event a fundraising event for our theater the Palace Theater called Stages uh, and it's a wine dinner Stages where food and wine star and I'm telling you it is an event that just it's so spectacular. Um, the food is spectacular. Um, people, uh, restaurateurs, chefs, renowned chefs um, from Connecticut uh, offer their services and the food to help raise funds for our theater. Um, we generally raise about $70,000 for that event between uh, people attending and uh, an auction. And I have to give a shout out to a couple of um, folks. First of all, Al Vagnini Power Station Events, the sponsor that uh, turns the palace into, and last night it was a garden theme, and it's like no garden you've ever been to. I'm twinkling lights, garlands of ivy, arches, it, it just spectacular. The committee that puts this event together all through the year and works hard on it, led by Natalie Lawler, who is our development officer at the Palace Theater, and Carolyn Cicchetti, who is worked tirelessly on this event for the past 14 years. Bob DeZino, uh, well-known uh, in the community as a, as a restaurateur, as a, uh, a marketing guru, and, uh, and of course, our own board chair, uh, Peter Jacoby, uh, they they work so hard on this event, and I hope I'm, I feel like I'm missing one name, and it's not coming to me. But if it does, I'll shout out. Uh, and of course, Frank Tavera, who I've got to say is our CEO at the Palace. You know, he has he has a lot of important things to worry about, but when it comes to producing events of this magnitude, there's no exceptions. It's all hands on deck. We all work to set up chairs and set the tables and uh, do all, uh, those kinds of tasks that need to uh, happen. But Frank, too, he rolls up his sleeves. He's, you know, sweating and <laughs> like the rest of us. And I've got to hand it to you. We've got a great team at the Palace Theater. So anyway, that last night was magnificent. And uh, I know the people who did attend, um, who are able to attend. And this is a high-end event, um, admittedly. So um, we... We had Palace 10.3 two weeks ago. That was, you know, anybody could attend uh, um, because the price point was, I think, affordable for everything you got. The wine dinner is definitely a, uh, a higher-end event, but uh, people are not disappointed. And we think, you know, there are a lot of sponsors, and I don't want to name names because I know I'll, I'll miss somebody. So I just want to say thank you for the support. Thank you for helping us uh, keep the palace uh, being what it can be for our entire community. And it takes, as they say, a village. So thank you to all the villagers at all levels that help keep the palace what it is. And the other thing I want to mention is something that we, the Palace Theater, have been involved with for, um, I think, quite a few years now. And that is the Stock the Pantry, the United Way and Connecticut of Greater Waterbury and Connecticut Food Bank have an event, a campaign called Stock the Pantry. And it's always uh, in the early part of the summer. And we 
hop on board to do our part because we feel that's our our role as a, as a as an organization in this community to not only care about what we're doing but to partner and work with others so um, we get involved in this event because stocking the pantry for those who might struggle during the summer and particularly we think of children because we when there's no school and kids aren't getting maybe the subsidized lunches or breakfast. Um, you know, families, it's a tough time for families to uh, feed their families. So um, we participate. So we are a drop-off point, the Palace Theater. And just to entice you, and the, the campaign begins today, June 1st, and for us we'll, at the Palace, we will be collecting until, until June 20th. And then there's a big um, bring your everything you've collected to a big event at... Um, Naugatuck Valley College on the 21st and you know they thank all the people all the businesses and organizations that help to collect food um, and have a little uh, uh, hot dog and hamburger kind of uh, thank you event. We are collecting at the palace um, some of the most needed uh, food items and you know you can get involved you can get involved as a company as an individual you can form a team with your friends what we're collecting Collecting at the palace is cereal, shelf-stable milk, macaroni and cheese, and canned tuna or chicken, preferably with the pop-up top cans uh, for, I guess, the canned chicken. I don't know. Does tuna have pop-up cans? Maybe it does too. I don't. I don't know. But anyway, we are collecting food, and just to um, help. Uh, uh, sweeten the deal for you a little bit. We want to help hunger disappear. So we are offering a family four-pack to the opening night performance of The Illusionist live from Broadway, direct from Broadway, I should say, which is the opening October 13th at the Palace Theater. It's one of the shows in our Webster Broadway series this year. And you can enter to win that family four-pack if you make a donation, if you bring in any of the food items that I just talked about, either uh, cereal, shelf-stable milk, macaroni and cheese, or canned tuna or canned chicken. So there'll be an entry form at our box office. When you bring your donation, drop it off. Our box office is open 10 to um, 5, Monday through Friday. We are also open on select Saturdays in the summer. So um, give us a call if you're not sure. Um, but please, you know, participate. Let's do everybody do their part. We're stepping up. We're doing our part, making the Palace a collection site and also offering this these tickets to what is going to be a really great show. If you love magic, and there's all types of magic uh, performed uh, in this show that was on Broadway and is now on tour. So um, let's everybody do their part. And, uh, and hats off to Sandy Montero, who helps coordinate this event for the United Way. She's a volunteer, and uh, she you can't say no to Sandy. I know last year she and her husband had a challenge, and I think Sandy actually won the challenge between the police and fire departments. And uh, and uh, so um, let's all do our part. Sandy, thank you for all you do in the community, and Frank as well. Um, and uh, so that's Stock the Pantry. And now, whew, we're not ready for a break. We're ready for our first guest. And our first guest is someone who has um, been with us on, on uh, the show before. It is Joseph Harrison. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Sherry. How are you? 
I'm well, I'm well. And Joseph is one of the contributing editors for um, Broadway World and a, a new member of the Connecticut Critics Circle. And that must be exciting to get involved in uh, that group for you, Joseph. Yes, it is. It's great. And it's great to, to be able to expand connections and to, to get more exposure to a great theater that's happening in Connecticut. Well, I I love to have you on the show because not only do you re- represent Broadway World and uh, we appreciate all you do uh, as an entity and as an editor at large to help promote theater in Connecticut, but you're also connected to the bigger picture and Broadway as a whole. And of course, this Sunday evening is Broadway's big night, uh, the Tony Awards put on by um, the um, the league, the Broadway League, and which the Palisader is actually a part of. We are a member of the Broadway League, and actually, our CEO Frank Tavera is a member, uh, a voting member, um, gets to cast a vote uh, for the Tonys, and has already done so. I'm sure. So we are um, excited. I love to watch this event, and I have since I was a child. I mean. Uh, I've always had an interest in theater, obviously, and uh, so the Tony Awards is like, I don't know, uh, it's like the Miss America pageant to me. It's like something you, you know, you just, I can't wait when it's, you know, the time is coming. I'm getting as nervous as perhaps some of the people involved. So anyway, Joseph, what? What and we have some great shows that were nominated. Let's let's talk. I know that both the new two new shows, Mean Girls and SpongeBob SquarePants, mm-hmm. um, both yeah. both musicals that came from pop culture, basically from um, a movie and a, a kids show, and now they're both um, Tony twelve nominations each. Tony Award nominee shows. Yeah. That came out of you know pop culture, really. So let's talk about that a little bit. Have you first of all have you had a chance to see either of those shows? Yes, I saw SpongeBob. Okay, um, I have not yet had a chance to see Mean Girls, but I am familiar with the movie and and have have a lot of colleagues who have have had a chance to see it. Um, and it, and it's funny just before we get there that you mentioned that about the. Um, the being like Miss America pageant, I as a as a theater person, I've always called it my Super Bowl, um, yeah, because it's the yes. the one night a year that you know you feel like you have to watch. But um, but yeah, so so those those two shows obviously are the ones with the biggest nominations this year. And I I've seen I saw SpongeBob. I, it was it was interesting. I remembered uh, actually maybe the first time I was on your program, we were talking about things that were coming up, and I th- I mentioned that that was on the way, and we were uh, chatting about how interesting that was that a property like that would uh, would be coming. So uh, so it was it's it's great to see that, and I will tell you it it was it was an amazing and fun experience. It's such a great show. It's it's there's something for everyone, even if even if you're not that familiar with the original. Um, television program it's it's just the design and the the themes are just really really exciting and fun so um, i was excited to see it may have so many nominations um and, and mean girls is getting a lot of great buzz as well um and and just behind them though are, are the other um one of the other musicals that's nominated band visit uh has 11 11 nominations as well and and then Frozen uh, has has three behind it. So the, of the four musicals that are nominated for Best Musical this year, uh, it, it lots of great 
great content out there. Absolutely. Uh, I've heard, um, you know, because I, I thought SpongeBob SquarePants, really? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, but people who have seen it, who I've spoken to, have said, oh no, you need to see this show. It is. Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 I guess the production itself and just the um, uh, razzle-dazzle, and I don't mean to steal from another show, but it, it just is over-the-top yeah. good, yeah. really, yeah. really it's, good. It's, so it's super um, creative. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the, just the, the, the thought that went behind the costumes and the design and, and, and also just the fact that, you know, I, I don't remember... It's been a long time if there's been one, but I don't remember a musical that has had a collaborative score. The, 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 each of the songs are by different artists, many of which people would recognize uh, as far as pop, popular uh, artists in their genres. So that in and of itself makes it really interesting. Um, but just the, the, the rest of the production values and the quality, the quality of the program, the, of the of performances is, uh, is, is great. And I think it reflects, too, how the industry is changing and the creative yeah. process has changed. I mean, when you look at the history of the Broadway musical and see how the different iterations and societal influences and, um, you know, whatnot... Uh, definitely in influence and are infused mm. into what ends up on the stage and yeah. as it should be because um, I mean theater is a reflection of of the society it represents so right. um, we can have a real discourse about that at some point but not for this show yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so okay so um, who's who's who are you betting on do you want to say for best uh, sure. musical I- yeah, I mean, I I think it, it it it's it's up between I I believe between Mean Girls um, and the the band's visit because even though I love SpongeBob and I think SpongeBob will get a lot of other awards, mm-hmm. um, I think Mean Girls has um, has a lot going for it with the with the T- Tina Fey um, book yeah. and and, yeah. and it's recognizable, um, but but I do think. From a from a I, and I haven't seen the band's visit, but as far as uh, just the, the 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 story and the quality, it's it's a very strong show, and I think it's getting a lot of buzz. Um, David Yazbek's getting um, uh, very likely will I think will win uh, for best original score uh, for 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 the band's visit, and so um, I I think there there's a lot going for it. So if I had to 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 bet on it, I would probably say it would likely be. Um, the, the band's visit for Best Musical. Yeah, I, I think when it, when push comes to shove and um, those who vote, um, yeah. you know, I think that has just a quality. And if the storyline, you want to tell quickly the storyline so our listeners have a sense of what you're you're referring sure. to. Yeah, so the, um, the the band's visit is is a um, a, a musical about uh, a a band that is uh, is booked in, in <clears throat> incorrectly like uh there's a there's a, a disconnect and it's an egyptian band i believe i'm getting this correct who is booked in a small town um in the middle east and it's all about they're stuck there for an uh, overnight and it's 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 very um it's very grounded in the human connections yes. and how we all uh have things in common even if you yes. might be uh, from from different parts of the world or that you might feel like 
uh, you are you, you are anti another uh, culture, or you know, right. if there's things that are ingrained in you, and it's and it's about the power of of humanity and of love, and so I think that. Uh, it's, the score is supposed to be just. It's a very. It's interesting when you look at the other musicals that are nominated because the other musicals are great, but they are very um, uh, accessible. And not that Bands Visit isn't, but it's like things like you know already: Frozen, Mean Girls, SpongeBob. Even at a younger for a younger, not it's only for younger audiences, but that they, they has a broader uh, appeal. Mm-hmm. Bands Visit, the way I've heard described, is is a is a, is a grown up, beautiful musical, and um, and so. Uh, so yeah, so I, I I think that to your point about the voters, that I think it all comes down to to what they would vote on, and I think that's even though the other three will be hits, they will make plenty of money, and they're doing quite well. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but I do think that the the band's visit will likely win. And you know what strikes me as we're having this conversation, that I mean I'm thinking about what we're talking about, and I'm thinking Mean Girls, I'm thinking Frozen, and you know what. There's always that thread of the human connection through a storyline. And that, I think, is, you know, whatever our differences are, somewhere along the line, when the story comes full circle, that's what shines through. I, well, I can think that, of any yeah. any show that I could apply that to. That I'm I'm just having a conversation in my head now with myself, and it's like, <laughs> but they're all really bringing us to the same place. And isn't that what theater does? Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's that's what theater's for. It's for elevating that yeah. that human, the human story, the human connection, uh, bringing emotion to life, uh, highlighting it, and putting a spotlight on parts of our um, of ourselves and our lives that we may or may not uh, be in touch with, and, and really bringing that to life. You know, um, and I. The other thing, of course, with the plays, and I know we have yeah. to take a break soon. Um, Johnny, should we take a break now? And and I, I have a few more questions I want to talk to Joseph about, and then we have another guest, of course, that's online. So I can keep talking now? Okay. Um, so, Joseph, when we talk about the plays that have been nominated, and the one, yeah. of course, that jumps out that everybody knows is... The Harry Potter, Harry Potter yeah. and the Cursed Child. Yeah. But there are some other strong contenders. I know that um, Farinelli and the King has had some buzz around it. Um, yeah, and and the other plays that are nominated um, uh, are Farinelli as well as the Children, yep. uh, Junk, and uh, Latin History for Morons. Those are the, the nominations for for best play. Um, have you seen any of them? No, unfortunately, I have not. I have not had a chance. Harry Potter is. I read uh, the when it came out because there was sure. a lot of buzz, and 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 it obviously had a lot of success in London. It is, I think, the favorite to win. Um, partly again, back to the accessibility side. Uh, yes, you know, the yeah. thing that people recognize and people know about it. It's also very interesting in in that. Uh, it is in two parts, and so yes, I uh, when know. people go and see it, they you know they they book and you get a ticket and you might see the Wednesday matinee part one and the Wednesday evening part two, and and it's it's like six hours so or five hours of content. Yeah, I think that's a very clever device, and here's why yeah. <laughs> I think it's yeah. clever. I'm assuming there's a couple of hours in between. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, from from a marketing standpoint and from a, a, a visit visitor standpoint, you 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 give people the opportunity to basically have two 
opportunities for theater and you put um, dinner in the middle of it and everybody's happy. <laughs> I mean, right. Well, you know, and, and especially if you think about tourism and people coming into town yes. and, and uh, you know, spending time and spending money in New York. So it's great for the city. Uh, Absolutely. I'm sure, because, uh, you know, they, they, they get to do that. But, but it, you know, from a, from a design perspective, uh, people just rave about the magic <laughs> yeah. not surprising that happens on stage at that show so yeah, uh, it, yeah. It's, the, it's the one that I, I'm really hoping to try to get to see very soon yeah I know someone who saw it in London and yeah they were blown away by it um, yeah. and I don't think you need to even have read the books or be a Potter fan no. necessarily no I think you can be amazed by just the the, the storyline and the and the, uh, the the themes even are are, are not necessarily I mean it's great and it's probably it takes it up a notch if you are familiar but just uh, just the, the the way that it comes to life on stage I'm sure uh, would have a broad audience so um, let's talk quickly very quickly about the, yeah. the plays the best revivals of a play um, I think there's some strong contenders here. There's name, there's yeah. plays that are certainly recognizable. Angels in America, another long play. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lobby Hero, uh, Three Tall Women with Glenda Jackson as part of the cast, The Iceman Cometh, Travesties. What's your thoughts? Who Who's going to walk away with the Tony Award for that? So I think this is going to be a tough one. I think it will probably be between Iceman Cometh or and um, Angels in America. Uh, uh, the all of them got critical acclaim. I mean, Three Tall Women was uh, such an amazing cast, and, and Lobby Hero had a lot of recognizable names that did brought, brought great performance, like Michael Sarah, uh, who's nominated as well. You know, who's a, a movie um, actor, but who has done some great work on stage. So uh, lots, lots of great buzz across the board, but I do think it will come between Iceman Cometh and, uh, and Angels in America. And if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Angels in America. And I'm looking too quickly at the um, best actress in uh, both play and a musical. And the recognizable names, of course, in the plays are Glenda Jackson, Amy Schumer for Meteor Shower, Glenda Jackson, Three Tall Women. Um, what do you think about... Uh, that I mean, who I mean, Amy Schumer is so recognizable, but I don't know. What are you thinking? And then there's other women, of course, Condola Rashad yeah. for Saint Joan, Lauren Ridloff, Children of a Lesser God. Yeah, I think it's going to be Glenda Jackson for yeah. Three Tall Women. Yeah. I think that's that's yeah. I, it, a lot of my colleagues and and others who have 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 written about it. Everyone seems to be landing on Glenda uh, Jackson for for that role. And then um, uh, I, I think on the counterpart. I, Andrew Garfield for Angels in America. I hear that um, that is an amazing performance. Although Denzel Washington, another recognizable name for Iceman Cometh, is 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 supposed to be bringing bringing an amazing performance. Yes, yeah. I I mean we're running out of time, and I know we haven't even talked about the um, the musicals, um, the best actor and actress, and and two musicals of note that should be talked about. Although not nominated in the best musical category, but for the performance, um, my favorite lady which i know is just a beautiful show to look at and has yeah. gotten great critical acclaim particularly lauren ambrose who is nominated for best leading actress in a musical who happens to be from connecticut um right. and, yeah and um and 
Uh, for best leading actor, you know, Tony Shaloub is a name we know from the band's visit. Um, yeah. And the other show is Carousel that has had a, a, right. a short engagement at Lincoln Center, but is also a beautiful yeah. show. And yeah, I, Car- that's one of my favorite yeah. shows. I love that story. Yeah. Yeah, Carousel, My Fair Lady, and Once on the Island are the three nominees for Best Revival of a Musical. Yes, yes. I think it will be, t- be between Carousel and My Fair Lady. I, depending on the day, I, I would lean one or the other, but they're both supposed to be amazing. And speaking of Lauren Ambrose, I, I, you know, it's hard because Katrina Link, who is the lead in the band's visit, everyone is talking about, but they're also talking about Lauren Ambrose. So I think it, 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 it could be a surprise, and she might come, come through and win um, Best Actress in a Leading Role in a Musical. Well... There you have some wrap-up on the Tony Awards with Joseph Harrison, editor from Broadway World, and also a member of the Connecticut Critics Circle now. And I, actually, Joseph, you and I are going to, I'm going to attend that event that's happening at the Westport Country Playhouse in a couple of weeks that is um, put on by the by the Connecticut Critics Circle um, Committee and honoring uh, theater in Connecticut. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the Tony Awards this Sunday yep. evening. I think the broadcast probably starts at 8 p.m. I'm yeah, with uh, probably some Tony red Ward. carpet stuff ahead of that, I'm sure. Yeah. And Tony Awards are actually on, on Sunday the 10th um, at 8, so next Sunday, um, I, I believe. And then our Critics Circle Awards are the next day, so Monday, June 11th. Yes, I'm sorry. I, you're right. Yeah, it no. is. The, I'm sorry. I'm ahead of myself here for some reason. <laughs> it's exciting. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're ready for it to be here. Yeah. Well, I don't know. June becomes, May was a blur for me, and June is starting yeah. to feel that way as well. So, Joseph, exactly. I want to thank you so much for just your time. As always, you're so gracious mm. in your knowledge, and I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks, and, uh, and I know that you'll be a guest with us again um, real soon. So, thank Thank you, and very have a good. great, great uh, weekend. And Thanks now we're, so much for having me. You're very welcome. We're going to take a quick break, and then um, coming up, I have another return guest who we're going to talk uh, a little bit about theater. We're also going to p- talk about some great beach reads, so stay tuned. Entertaining new possibilities. And we're back with Your Palace, Your Place. I'm your host, Sherry Marcucci, and we're going to dive right into our next uh, interview with our next guest, and that is Lauren Yarger. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Sherry. Okay, I'm sorry, technical difficulty. I didn't have the volume turned up. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, and you had some technical difficulty this morning, and I thank you uh, for being here. You had no power, and uh, you were able to somehow communicate that to me. And uh, where do you live in Connecticut? I'm in West Granby, and apparently we had a tree fall on some lines, so our our neighborhood was was out for a while. Oh dear, dear! I, you know, there seems to be some aftermath to that storm two weeks ago of trees that perhaps were weakened and now are are starting to topple. So, um, I'm sorry for your trouble this morning, but thank you for making your way to find us anyway, and I appreciate that so much, Lauren. You've been with us before, and for those who are just tuning. In. Lauren Yarger is also a contributing editor for Broadway World, but 
it doesn't end there. She's also a member of the Drama Desk, the Outer Critics Circle, the founder, one of the co-founders of the League of Professional Theater Women. Uh, she's a theater reviewer under the uh, byline of Reflections in the Light, Connecticut Arts Connection. Uh, what what have I missed? Oh, and Publishers Weekly, a reviewer. Lauren, where do you get the time? And a playwright, which we're going to talk about. We're going to talk. Where do you get the time to do all these things? Well, I, I don't always. <laughs> it depends on what time of year you're talking to me. And right now is probably one of the busiest. Yeah, this, well, this is a busy Fighting, time. but. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the um, two two areas we've talked a little bit this morning already about the Tony Awards coming up in yes. two weeks, not not this Sunday, as I erroneously was saying. So I apologize for that. To no, the... this Sunday is the Drama Desk Award. Ah, okay. And then the following Sunday is the, the Tony Awards. Well, you have been hobnobbing with the rich and famous. I mean, I see your posts on Facebook, and we were just talking about one of the nominees for Best Actress in a Play, Glenda Jackson, and there you are on Facebook with Glenda Jackson. Tell the listeners a little bit about the event that um, she attended that uh, you were uh, at as well. Uh, That was the Outer Critics Circle Awards. They're uh, one of the first awards that gets un- announced, and uh, it's a dinner at Sardi's, and it's it's one of my favorite award events, and not just because I helped plan it, <laughs> but because it always has been, actually. It's it's an intimate dinner with the winners. It's, it's only the winners of the awards, so it's not like a regular award ceremony where everybody is kind of there, and they're nervous, and they don't know if they're going to win, and then if their name isn't announced, they're so disappointed, or something like that. It's not that kind of an atmosphere. These folks already have won the award, so it's a dinner with them, and it's just a lovely, lovely time, and all of the winners come and uh, mingle with the members of the Outer Critics Circle and our guests, and it was just really wonderful. She she was just so gracious and 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 wonderful. Very very nice woman who's going to win the Tony Award, by the way. <laughs> well, I was just going to ask you: Is um, the Outer Critics um, event and uh, awards? Similar to uh, how we view the Golden Globes as the precursor to who's going to win the Oscars, is it similar in that sense? Um, I I don't think so. I, I okay. think I've heard the Drama Desk Awards sort of linked in that way to the Golden Globes of the theater kind of thing. It's more of that type of a program where the awards program is announced and it's it's right on the the heels of the Tonys coming. Other critics, it, I'm not sure that if you go back and do research that you would find that necessarily the people who win Outer Critics Circle Awards win the Tony Award. Mm. I mean, there sometimes is correlation, but I, I, I tend to find myself that, you know, a show that, that wins a lot of Outer Critics Circle Awards doesn't necessarily win the Tony. So it's, it's, I'm not sure I would make that that sort of link between the two. I think it's it's a little different, too, because Outer Critics Circle and the Drama Desk, too, uh, they consider off-Broadway as well as Broadway. And okay. in the case of Drama Desk, they're competing in the same categories. Uh, you know, so, it, you know, it's, there's a lot more to consider for those awards than just those on Broadway. So it's a little bit different. 
Okay. All right. Good to know. That's excellent information. Um, (laughs) Well, you you are a woman that, you know, you have your finger in so many pies, Lauren. One of the, and I I hope we get to all I wanted to get to with you all. You're just going to have to come back real soon. But um, (laughs) um, one of the, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, your play that you uh, have written and you're tweaking and and will be producing at some point. Uh, And it's about a woman who was like, Iconic to me growing up as a teenager, anyway, and that is um, the actress Jennifer O'Neill, who starred in Summer of '42. You're right. actually writing a play about her, or have written a play yeah. about her. What was the impetus for that? Well, I I, I know her and um, oh. have got have gotten to be friends with her over the years, and the more I kept hearing about her life, I, I knew. I knew basically what a lot of people know about her, that she was in Summer of 42, that she was in a couple of TV uh, shows that I remember, and, and the commercials for uh, CoverGirl and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the modeling that she did during that, that time. Of course, I'm dating myself now, Sherry, but I well, so <laughs> remember I, you know, when, when she was, you know, really the hot actress and model in, yes. in like, the 70s. Yeah. And um, so I knew some of that stuff that was on the surface, but there were there were a lot of things in her life that I, I wasn't aware of. And the more I kept hearing and learning about about her life story, I was, I was so impressed with her. Uh, she has just survived and, and come through a lot. And it's very inspirational to me um, to see how she has done that. And, you know, she really has a heart for helping people. She runs a, a ministry uh, from her home in Nashville that helps uh, veterans with PTSD. Oh. She has a big farm and an equine therapy uh, oh. ministry there. So veterans and their families can come there and they have a safe space where they can just relax and um, do therapy sessions with the animals and just just have a place to go uh, to relax and and get therapy and help and and healing and it's just it's a wonderful thing so anyway all of that to say that you know i was just kind of impressed by everything and the more i kept hearing about the various things she'd come through I, I kept thinking each one of those. I kept thinking, gee, that would make a really good play, and all of them together make a really dramatic telling of a, a life story. So uh, we we decided to do that, and um, we we got together the, the draft. I, I wrote the draft, and we were fortunate enough to have a reading uh, last February that was sponsored by the League of Professional Theater Women in New York. And that's very helpful. I don't, I don't know if your listeners, you know, are aware of some of the playwriting process that goes into these things, but it's really very helpful uh, for me as the playwright. When you get to a certain point, you've written the play and you've gone over it and edited it and, and got it to a point where you think it's it's decent enough to have somebody look at it. At that point, it's really helpful to have an an audience, even though this sure. is a very small invited audience, um, to to have to have it read to hear the words that spoken by actors and to hear the reaction of an audience hearing those words. It's very helpful in the process of determining, is this really working? Did, did that part work the way I thought it was going to? You know, are they laughing where they're supposed to laugh? Are they being moved by the things I think are moving? Or, you know, am I losing something in the translation? So it's very, a very helpful thing. So we're, we're at the process now after the reading we took we have feedback uh, from the people who attended and from some other people who read the play and uh, I'll be giving it another uh, another round of edits and and working again with Jennifer to 
uh, sort of fill it out a little bit more. And then it should be ready at, the, at that point for, for presentation. So I'm very excited about it. Oh, wow. I, I love, I mean, and I think our listeners, I mean, I hope that you're interested as you hear this and how something goes from an idea and where it comes from, what, where the inspiration is and how it translates from page to stage eventually. I, I think that's a fascinating um, process. And I would love to invite you and um, if you think that Jennifer would be gracious and um, well, I'm sure she's gracious, would accept an invitation <laughs> to um, perhaps be on the show with you at some point once you have, uh, you're ready to produce the piece. I would love to, you know, have that happen. I want to switch gears quickly, and um, because we only have about uh, I don't know five minutes, okay. but I, I promised uh, ahead of uh, I uh, posted on the Palace uh, Theater's uh, social media platform that we would talk about beach reads a little bit, and because you review for Publishers Weekly, uh, what are some good. Uh, books we can be picking up to while away the summer. I know I do the vast majority of my reading during the summer because I go outside of my deck and it's still light, of course, until like nine o'clock and I read and I don't fall asleep like I do when I in the winter when I start to read at nine o'clock and I'm out in five minutes. So um, what's something good we can take with us to uh, while away those summer hours? Well, you know, it's funny when you asked me to, to think about some books, I, I started going through the list of books coming out, you know, this summer, and there's just so many. I thought, how am I going to pick? So what I did was decide I, I would just go to my own personal pile okay. and just pick the top ones, the top three for me this summer, because I don't get a lot of time to read myself for fun between mm -hmm. all of the, the things that I have going on for theater and the reviewing that I do. I'm, I'm reviewing books that I'm, I'm assigned, so I'm not necessarily picking those books uh, as ones that I particularly want to read. Mm -hmm. So this is my pile of, of my my fun books that okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to this summer um, so that I can, I can recommend them at least because I, I, I know something about them. Um, the first is a book. It's uh, by an author, her name is Heidi Chevroli, and I really enjoyed her debut novel, which uh, came out, which was called Freedom's Ring. She writes time slip novels, which are um, books that take place in two different, time, or at least hers take place in two different time periods. Oh. So there's a story going on in the in the present that's linked to a story going on in the past, and. Uh, Freedom's I think I Ring just read a review of this book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Freedom's Ring was about the uh, Boston Marathon and um, the time there and the Revolutionary War in Boston. And this book that just came out, her second book, is called The Hidden Side. And it involves uh, a New York radio host in modern times oh. who uh, is, you know, a, a, an advice person on the radio, but she has a whole bunch of her own issues going on, a, a daughter who's sort of out of control, a uh, son who she can't really communicate with, and then there's a, a terrible thing that happens that sort of throws her into crisis. And she finds uh, some solace and help by reading the journals of a woman um, who is in the other time period in, in 1776, who, who at that time was the fiancé of Nathan Hale and gets involved in the Revolutionary War. So 
I just, I really like that kind of uh, novel. For me, that's very escapist. Yes. And, um, but she's very skilled at that particular genre because it's very difficult to write these types of time slip novels or any kind of novels where, you, where you're traveling in time of any kind because it can get very confusing, but she does it very well. Lauren, and there's repeat. A, there's a thread. Would you repeat the title and the author again for our listeners? And I'm getting the high sign. We have like a minute and 30 seconds left. Okay. Um, this is The the Hidden Side by Heidi Chevroli. Okay. Um, that's a time slip novel. The uh, One other one I'm looking forward to is a book called We Can Be Kind, Healing Our World One Kindness at a Time. Mm. It's written by David Friedman who is the uh, composer for the musical Desperate Measures that is oh. off-Broadway. They had a run, uh, a very successful multi-extended run at the York Theater, and they're reopening it again now at uh, 59 East 59. And um, it's, just a, it's just a collection of thoughts of you know, ran- random kindnesses that, that he's experienced or, or witnessed. And um, it's just it's kind of a, a really nice, Easy, small book kind of read for for the summer. Just I think it applies very well to the times that very we're in. Very relevant. Really want to, to be encouraged by kindness of people, and I think this is a, a good book for that. All right. And really quickly, a third book I'm looking forward to is actually a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Tori Martin. He's written his second book. It's called The Call of the Mild. It's about his adventures in Africa, Hollywood, and other wild places. Um, Lauren, I'm going to have to interrupt you because we are getting (laughs) right up to the needle here. And I, 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 you know, I love talking to you and I always say we never have enough time. So um, I hope I'm going to invite you to come back before the summer's over. Okay. Wonderful. All right. And for those who are listening, I think, you know, the books Lauren recommended sound fascinating. I love the one about we can be kind. I think that's a good word to end on. And this has been Your Palace, Your Place. I'm your host, Sherry Marcucci. And if you're interested in the shows, and we've got lots coming up this this coming season, go to our website, palacetheaterct.org, or call our box office, 203-346-2000. That's all I have time for today. Have a great weekend. Do some in the arts that you love with someone you love. Stay tuned for our local news and talk of the town coming up next. Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your place.